0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this morning, um, I wanted to talk about uh, the what are called the four immeasurables, the Brahma-Viharas, or the sub- sublime states, states of mind. And um, these four qualities, these four mind states, uh, for those of you who might not be familiar with what they are, um, I'll just list them as I begin here. Uh, they are the quality of, they all emerge out of a, a quality of love. And um, <clears throat> they're, the first one is, Uh, referred to as loving-kindness, or metta. And this is a quality of love that's characterized by a sense of appreciation, or goodwill, or friendliness, or uh, well-wishing. It's a beautiful, beautiful quality. Uh, The second uh, quality is compassion, or uh, karuna in Pali. And this is uh, an expression of love that's aware of suffering and is embedded with the wish to alleviate suffering, to uh, mitigate it in some way, whatever way is possible for us. The third quality is a quality of um, taking delight in the good fortune of other people. a quality that's uh, sometimes referred to as empathetic joy or sympathetic joy. It's a quality where you feel happy for someone else's um, happiness. And uh, it's absent of any kind of um, self-referential focus back on yourself. So I'm really happy for your happiness. And I don't have a thought bubble that says, why the heck didn't that happen for me? It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a really beautiful quality. It doesn't get as much airtime as some of the other ones. And then the fourth quality is a quality of love that's uh, Expressed in in a um, feeling of uh, acceptance or equanimity, so when love meets acceptance, it's sometimes referred to as that in that way, which is an easy way to think about it. Um, one feels this sense of equanimity, and <clears throat> these qualities don't exist independent of one another when when metta is there uh uh, uh loving kindness is there so is compassion and so is sympathetic joy and so is equanimity so um i've had discussions with uh friends and colleagues who say oh you can't have compassion without equanimity and uh, it's so you need equanimity in order to be compassionate. Well, I'm not sure that's true, but it is true that that you can't have compassion without equanimity, but you can have equanimity without compassion. So uh, compassion is a quality that is a response to suffering, always and only a response to suffering. So... Uh, Life is full of challenges and suffering, right? But it's not just about suffering. There are moments in in life that are filled with happiness and joy and ease and well-being and so on and so forth. And so one can feel a quality of equanimity in those states as well as a quality of equanimity with suffering. So these four mind states are called uh, sublime because when we touch them the mind tends to be um, settled and free and unhindered and uh, I'll say a little bit more about this as I go along but each of these mind states um, represents an an intentional way of directing our awareness and they 're characterized <clears throat> by an intent that is uh, has a quality of being sort of exalted, uplifted, it has a quality of feeling uh, of spaciousness it 's kind of boundless and um, <clears throat> and the The key that i 'm going to point to here is that these states exist when there 's a freedom from a uh, a sense of of uh, uh, obvious or even implicit ill will, so you can 't have a quality of love and kindness at the same time that you're holding ill will or aversion you can 't have you can 't touch compassion when you're harboring ill will. And sometimes we harbor ill will and don't even realize that the ill will is uh, uh, affecting us or that we, we're even being uh, touched by ill will. So so many people think that that we have to create, we have to work hard to be kind, to be compassionate. Um, but we don't create these sublime states whether we're talking about compassion or loving kindness what what we do is we access them and in the case of um, well in, in whether it's loving kindness or whether it's compassion we touch these states in in the <laughs> you know life is full of ebb and flow of challenges and conditions and circumstances that trigger us and affect us. And these states will arise and pass away in response to the circumstances and conditions in which we find ourselves. So we we don't create a compassionate response uh, when We're suffering, but we access uh, a compassionate response. or we access these states uh, based on our uh, willingness to to relate to ourselves and to other people in a in a healthy way, in a balanced way. Does that make sense? We have to we have to have some quality of of um, all of these states functioning, but some quality of ease and settledness and unhinderedness in order to be able to um, even recognize when we touch these states. So how would you know when you were feeling a quality of loving kindness? I'm... It's a rhetorical question. I'm going to answer it myself. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to put it out there because, um, you know, when I learned the practice of loving kindness myself when it was taught to me originally, um, <clears throat> like many people, I don't think it, I was particularly um, uh, a slow learner. <laughs> but... Uh, I thought that loving kindness was a practice where you said nice phrases to yourself and then you felt a certain way and the, and you kept saying the phrases and the phrases would would help you touch the quality and that's a perfectly legitimate way to learn to practice these states but uh, it took me a while to realize it wasn 't the phrases that was the, that is the loving kindness or the compassion it 's the actual feeling that um, we touch within ourselves that we that is awakened within ourselves that we then label loving kindness or we label compassion and, and those states are very unique and they feel a certain way, just like when we are we, are angry about something, you see, anger feels a certain way. When we're uh, feeling at ease and happy about something, happiness feels a certain way. Emotions feel a certain way. They're all normal. It's all completely human. It's just that when we don't recognize what the emotion is, or what the mind state is, or what the attitude is, we can get Seduced by it and and fooled by it, but if we know that we're angry, it's one thing to know that you're angry, to be angry, and know that you're angry. It's a completely different thing to be angry and to be completely consumed by anger. You see, the the awareness of of the quality gives you some sense of. Um, Presence and and and, and uh, a way to um, sort of adjust to the the, the moment of challenge. You see, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be that we're not going to tip over into the anger, but we know what's happening. And then with time, we begin to recognize: Oh, here comes anger, or this is anger. This is the point of being hooked we can either go down the rabbit hole or we can just allow the anger to move through us, to flow through us. So where I'm going to go with this talk is how do we meet these moments and allow nature to run its course and not to be drawn into it. Because when we are, we can't, We can't access these sublime states, okay? And so (laughs) what I was referring to, or what I was pointing to, or trying to point to, and I'm I'm circling around thinking I'm not being as clear as I want to be, is that loving kindness and compassion and uh, uh, empathetic joy and equanimity feel very distinctively one way or another. Just as anger feels one way, and happiness feels another way, and jealousy feels another way, and, you see, so when we begin to recognize these feelings, we can, (coughs) they actually help us know what's going on, you see, so if if compassion arises, we, or we begin to become aware of, of compassion, we also become aware, <clears throat> it's because we've become aware that we're suffering or that we're witnessing suffering. You see, when we are delighting in something, you see, we <laughs> and feeling happiness for somebody else's goodwill, we, we know this quality that we're touching. And <laughs> when we know the quality we can begin to cultivate it, we can begin to rest in it, we can begin to know what it's, it actually feels like, and then we can begin to um, appreciate how, how allowing lets it come into full fru- fruition. So, <clears throat> so I wanna sort of circle back here and say that our access to these states are based on our willingness to relate to ourselves and to other beings in a healthy way. But when we are honest and we look, we see that we have limitations and that these limitations actually shape our experience in direct and immediate ways. So, for instance, On a good day, in a low-pressure situation, I might find, or you might find, that uh, we're fine with, with the people in our lives, with our partners, with our friends, with our co-workers. Everything is fine. Nothing disturbs us. You see, it's a good day and there's not much pressure, right? and on another day we might find that we're doing well and getting some positive attention so so we can like ourselves we can respect ourselves it's easy to to do that you see so so those boxes are are normal but they create boundaries within which we can feel good and alive and receptive when it's a low-pressure day and our partners aren't irritating us, you see? But outside of that boundary, we don't feel comfortable at all, and we might find that we're just automatically defaulting to, to lashing out or to you know, withdrawing or shutting down. So within those boundaries, if we can see what those boundaries are, we can see what those limitations are. We can sa- see how they affect us in immediate indirect ways. So <clears throat> we try to escape from feelings of hurt or being left out or... Um, um, you know, when we encounter some disappointment or some failure in our life. And um, many of us shut down our feelings of uh, sensitivity. We just don't want to feel that. We we place our attention elsewhere. We try to escape that. So uh, these sublime states, these heavenly abodes, they're not just about um, uh, being nice to other people or feeling, um, you know, uh, concerned for other people. They're about freeing ourselves from these kinds of deadening reactions that are familiar and habitual. You see? On a good day, I feel great. And on a not-so-good day, I just don't want to be bothered, right? These deadening reactions that are so familiar, they they just seem natural. They seem as natural as the inner voice that with which we talk to ourselves all the time and drive ourselves and force ourselves to... To uh, think that we uh, need to be perfect and certainly better than we are, and we would never talk to other people in this way. Most of us wouldn't. So these kinds of reactions are—they're um, also very normal. They're just as normal as feeling, you know, anger or or happiness. Uh, we just need to to learn what they actually feel like. So when we can learn to be kind to ourselves, or to extend goodwill in a more consistent and conscious way, independent of our circumstances, we're able to uh, free ourselves from these these states of of um, anxiousness, or anxiety, or bitterness, or or you know, cynicism, or depression. So. <laughs> So these difficult states are—they stem from our being unable to release um, anger or fear or grief in our life, and they're—they're they're born out of aversion. They're born out of ill will. They're born out of a quality of of resisting our experience and wishing that it was other than the way it actually is, preferring it to be other than the way it actually is. One of the, one of the definitions I give to students in my compassion courses of, for suffering is any moment in time that is other than the way we prefer it to be is a moment of suffering. Think about it. Any moment in time when things are different than the way that you want them to be, there's resistance, and that resistance creates contraction and contention. That is a moment of suffering. So there's big suffering and there's little suffering. There's the suffering that's created by c- coming to IMC and not being able to find a parking spot, you see, and then there's the suffering that's created by. Massive, important, big things in life. But any moment that we're in contention with our direct experience and wanting it to be other than the way it is, is a moment of suffering. And these difficult states arise out of resistance, out of ill will, out of aversion. Just as hatred and spite and abuse are all expressions of ill will, think about it, even the act of belittling someone in your mind, you're thinking about something, you're, having an, you're replaying an argument that you had, you see, even that act is an act of violence. So the prejudice that justifies violence in our, in our lives and in our world is based on the bias that other people really don't matter. When we think ill like that, we're actually part of the problem. We're not part of the solution. Now, it's a high bar to think that we're not going to have these thoughts from time to time. But when you consider it, um, uh, when, when you consider the amount of time that we can waste ruminating on things and playing, playing old arguments over in our heads and strategizing how we're going to gain control of a situation or regain control of a situation that we feel like we've lost control of. All of that churning and rumination and so on and so forth. How can we, how can we touch or expect to touch compassion when all of that is going on, because we're so out of balance we don't even recognize that we're out of balance. see it's a little bit like um if we were walking on a balance beam and we had our perfect balance and everything felt fine and safe, and then something triggers us, and bloop, off we go, you see? And then there's this figurative desperation to get back up on the balance beam, to find our balance again, you see? And so people will say, oh, if I could just be more compassionate, Well, how can you be compassionate? Or how can you feel loving kindness when you're in a state of turmoil or in a state of distress or in a state of unbalance? It's not realistic to think that. To see that you're in a state of unbalance and what's actually happening is compassion, to actually see it. And then it allows you to be with the experience So it can flow through you and healing can happen and you can come back into a kind of homeostasis. Does that make sense? Yes, I hope so. Okay, so the kind of thinking that justifies violence doesn't only hurt the people that you're thinking ill of, it hurts you, the thinker. So if we don't use uh, these qualities of kindness and benevolence and compassion to acknowledge that we're hurting or that a hurt state exists and, and allow this, these qualities to help us heal from it, we're forced to manage those qualities. If we if we don't let them be touched by these beautiful qualities that allow a natural type of healing to occur, we're, we have to manage them. We have to somehow find our way back up onto the balance beam. You see, and it's not a very comfortable um, it's not a very comfortable moment our situation to find ourselves in. And we find ourselves in situations like that all too often. So <clears throat> what do we do to manage these this, these situations? We, we <laughs> shrug them off. We blame others. Why did he do that or she do that? Why did she say that or he say that? Or, or <clears throat> we beat ourselves up. We just assume that somehow we shouldn't expect anything better or that we don't deserve anything better. You see? So <clears throat> the good news is that we can learn how to cultivate access to these sublime states by recognizing um, when they awaken in us by recognizing what they feel like and what effect they have on our immediate indirect experience, you see when we know what 's happening, when we know how to recognize it, when we know that it 's awake in us, we can see what effect it has. You see, so when you 're feeling loving kindness you 're feeling really beautiful quality of friendliness, a beautiful quality of well-wishing. So how do we know (coughs) uh, this quality of loving kindness? And and what what, uh, helps us touch it? What helps us awaken to it? I would say... (coughs) that appreciation is one of the things that helps us touch the quality and recognize the quality of loving kindness. You see, when you're actually appreciating something about yourself or about someone else, the quality of appreciation is free from the quality of aversion or ill will. You can't have ill will and appreciation at the same time. You can have a moment of appreciation and a moment of ill will, but you can't have them together. And to recognize that appreciation is to put you in touch with the quality of love and kindness. So, I'm going to give you an example—a really, uh, a really nice example. <clears throat> I live in a in a a little garden cottage, and my neighbor. Has a, a dog, and this dog has c- come over to my little cottage and moved in. This dog loves. <laughs> this dog loves me. <laughs> you see, and I never had a dog that loved me before. <laughs> this dog loves me, and I think of this. All I have to do is think of this dog, and. The smiles that I see on everyone's, because you all have dogs that love you, so you know this feeling, this feeling of delight and pre- This is the feeling of loving kindness. You see, it's not the dog. The dog is the trigger that awakens it. I love the dog. Mason is my dog. I was meditating the other day. So Mason comes in, He he... he he sits down, he lies down. He knows that it's time to meditate, right? So he lies down there. And he's, a, he's such a good dog, I understand. He's a big dog. He's such a good dog. He lies down, and I was meditating for an hour. Well, at about 55 minutes, Mason decided he had enough. <laughs> so he's such a nice dog, though. He gets up quietly. He's so dignified. He gets up quietly, you know. And he just quietly moves around like, okay, wake up. I want to go out. So I'm sitting there. I won't move. I won't move. So he walks behind me and he sits down again. And then he rustles around again. And I still wouldn't move for him. So he comes behind me and he... With his nose, he nudges me <laughs> under the arms, so I sit there, qu- I just won't move. <laughs> so he rests his nose on my shoulder, and then with his wet nose, <laughs> he goes like, now how could you not love a dog like that? You see? That's loving kindness. <laughs> see, Mason just gave it to you. That's loving kindness. So those qualities, that quality exists in such a free way. This, that quality exists in, in something that feels spacious, in a, in a space that feels spacious, what, if that makes sense. So <clears throat> so recognizing what they feel like is, is really key and really important. So these sublime states are innate. We all know what loving kindness feels like. It. We all can touch it. We all know what compassion feels like. We can touch it. When the heart is open, it can be fully with whatever our experience is in any given moment, whether our experience is the experience of, like I just shared with you, or whether we're feeling ho- uh, hurt. An open and con- and an uncontracted heart can give the hurt feeling the energy that allows uh, that allows it to heal, just as the body would heal a bruise or a wound. See, you just allow the 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 body to take care of itself, and it will. So we all know what it's like to feel hurt. We've all been hurt from time to time. And the sense of hurt is a natural effect from the triggers and challenges that we have to contend with in our lives, that we all have to contend with in our lives. But the hurt feeling can redress itself when we can stay open and and when we can Allow ourselves to be with it we, when we allow the process of healing to just occur in a natural way, and when we can 't be with our experience, what happens is that we cut the healing short or we, we so what is this this how does this play out? What does this shortcut uh, look like? Um, <clears throat> it might so if we were triggered or hurt by someone what what, what might happen when we are unable to be, recognize what's happened and be with it is we might lash out. We might, um, you know, we might criticize our feeling of hurt as uh, something to be ashamed of or that's a sign of weakness or foolishness. Or we might shut down and not not acknowledge that we're hurt. Or we may make some decision that to be sensitive is too dangerous because it makes us feel vulnerable and we don't want to feel vulnerable. So instead of being triggered by something and having a a short temporary retraction, what happens is that we get a a long-term contraction. We we train ourselves to respond by shutting down or to lash out or to do these things so so the practices of of kindness and compassion touching these states they don't they don 't rest upon us manufacturing emotional states they 're based upon ways of adjusting our impressions and ways of responding to our experiences that are that allow a natural relational health to come forth so so I want to really emphasize here that the cultivation of of loving kindness isn't about imposing some uh, ideal of liking or loving every, everybody all the time that 's a really high bar you see rather um, if we can begin to appreciate that it's it 's a practice of meeting the moment without with a, with freedom from aversion from freedom from ill will you see when when we're in when we access any of these sublime states what i if there's one thing i'd like you to get out of this talk this morning it's that those states exist free from ill will you see and if you can begin to appreciate that those states are free from ill will you can begin to get a sense of what freedom tastes like. You see, when we're, ta- when we're told um, if, if something's troubling you, let it go. Well, what does letting go mean? And, and, and how the heck do you do it? But when you're in a state of, of um, you know, really enjoying the story about Mason, you see, (laughs) that state is free from ill will. And to recognize the absence of ill will, the absence of that which, which disturbs us and takes us off of our balance beam, that appreciation for that awareness allows it to grow, allows it to be cultivated, you see, because now you know what's happening. And when we can see what's happening, Everything changes, and of course, how do we see what 's happening? We see what 's happening by the cultiva- through the cultivation of uh, of mindfulness so <clears throat> so when we 're triggered, we might still f- feel <coughs> you know uh, the pang of losing uh, contact with something that we like, something that's pleasant, or we might feel like we're being touched by something that's unpleasant. And yet, um, with patience and a friendly attitude and with practice and with kindness, uh, we can learn to be able to curtail an automatic contraction into um, a negative mind state, uh, to go into bitterness or, or depression or whatever. So we can learn to support ourselves by feeling what we're actually feeling. I'm switching back and forth between loving kindness and compassion. I should talk about one thing. So let's talk about compassion here. So when we're feeling hurt, for instance, if we can feel what we're feeling and simply let it flow through us, what happens is that we can can feel the resonance of the hurt, but we don't get damaged by it. In other words, our relationship to it becomes equanimous. We're not resisting it. We're seeing what's happening. We're acknowledging it. That's the really important thing. We're, we're, we know what's happening and we know that it has to run its course. You see, when we're triggered by something um, <clears throat> and we're really triggered and the nervous system takes over and we try to suppress that, what happens is with, we generally make things worse. You know, it's like... <laughs> I shouldn't be i shouldn't be excited i shouldn't be afraid i shouldn't be angry we make things worse. The nervous system just gets takes over, and for us to think that that we're not human beings and we're not subject to that is naive, but when we recognize that we can be with that feeling and know that we're not going to die it's going to f- flow through us if we could just not sort of Clamp onto it and attach to it. What happens is that <clears throat> that we can begin to establish a mind state and recognize a mind state that's not affected by ill will. You see, you can feel pain and not feel ill will. You can feel pain and not be in resistance to it. You see, that that teaching about there's pain and then there's suffering. There's the first arrow and then there's the second arrow. Well, this is, this is how it actually manifests. You can be with something that feels challenging and not be seduced by it. You can just let it flow through you. It's not easy, it takes practice. But but with a willingness and, and with a growing clarity of what, what is actually occurring for you, You can allow whatever is happening to flow through and not to be affected by it or not to be affected by ill will. And then you can reflect on and linger in that state that you've touched that moment of freedom and bring attention. uh, And and by doing so, you bring attention onto it and uh, on the state of, of essential okayness or or stability, and, and then it begins to amplify. And this is how you cultivate loving kindness. This is how you cultivate compassion. So <clears throat> to wrap this up, mindfulness is at the beginning, <laughs> at the middle, and at the end of the entire process, because none of this is possible if we can't see and recognize what is happening. So uh, those are some of my thoughts this morning, and um, <clears throat> we are a minute or so over time, I, I say so. I'm <clears throat> I'm not gonna ask for questions, but I will Stick around for a moment or two if anyone has questions. So, thank you for your attention, and I uh, hope that you can uh, live in a state of Masonness. <laughs> Have a wonderful day.